welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of energy. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. All right, let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here at the Houston Cannon with Becky Long and Scott McKenzie from Evolve. Thanks so much for coming on to the show. Three's a crowd. I actually thought it was just going to be two of us. And now Scott got invited, which is awesome. So thank you guys. And Becky, you had a little traffic trouble this morning or what? Yeah, a little crazy getting here from the woodlands, but... Yeah, it's it's a bit of a haul. So do you guys work from home right now? Yes. Or is it office stuff? Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, we actually have an office in Spring, just south of the Woodlands. So, but it's just us. Yeah, I'm the one going in there with Sanjay. So Scott's working from home for now. So yeah, yeah. in the heights. Yeah. So it's yeah. a little easier to get here than it was up in the Woodlands. Yeah, no, like we were talking before, my wife and I are looking at possibly getting into the heights, and it's just like traveling or like driving from the heights to anywhere within Houston in the mornings. I feel like is a lot better than Katy or the Woodlands. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah, and so. Yeah, COVID's been interesting. Now we're all working from home and now it's hybrid and who knows what's going to happen. But do you guys like working from home? I mean, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I do not miss the commute. Yeah. So it's it's nice. You get the extra couple hours a day depending yeah. on where you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it works well. Yeah, yeah. What about you? I like going in the office. Right? So, like separation, people. I like being around people. So yeah. Yes, you yeah. and I can certainly identify. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I was telling Scott earlier, our office is, so I'm in sales and business development outside of the podcasting world. And I thrive when I'm around people. And so, you know, when, when you get, you know, on Zoom and stuff, it's hard to get into flow. And, it, and I feel like if I'm on Zoom or whatever, multitasking, scrolling, whether it's news or, you know, LinkedIn or something like that. And so when you're, when you're around people, I just feel like that human interaction. And it's hard to build culture over Zoom. And I think culture is really important on a number of different assets. But anyway, I always like to hear people's thoughts. And so some people love working from home. Some despise it and some are kind of somewhere in the middle, which is like me. If, what if I have to like dig deep and have no distractions? If my kids are at school, uh-huh. working from home is great. Uh-huh. <laughs> but if they're not, then that's kind of tough. Yeah. So I'm going to start off just kind of, I'd like to break the ice a little bit and get to know each other a little bit more. And you sent me a great, some great information on just some things about yourselves. And it's kind of like a Q&A sheet, but I'm not going to use any of those questions. Okay. Although I do appreciate it. Not right now, but okay. Becky, I'm going to start with you. What does your ideal Friday night look like? Assuming you could do anything in the world and don't say chill and watch Netflix. Like if you could just do anything, you know, money aside, you could just like teleport somewhere. It's like, what would you do if you on a Friday night, you could do anything you wanted? Probably depend on my mood. So if I was okay. feeling a little introverted, I'd be like staying home with a book, honestly. Okay. If I was feeling extroverted, probably going out and hanging out with friends somewhere. Where? Concert. Let's a little bit more specific. Concert. I would love to what go to a concert. What kind of concert? Like favorite band, artist, whatever. Uh, Mayday Parade. I'd love to go to Mayday Parade. All Time Low, Blue October. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what kind of music is that? Alternative. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. Is that something from like back in the day? Is that like your old time? It's probably time 90s. Off? Yeah, it's old time. But yeah, yeah. but they still you. play. They're still Mayday Parade concerts. So okay. yeah. When's the last time you've seen Mayday Parade? You know, I've never been to their concert. I did go to Blue October. What kind of fan are you? I know, I know. Oh. They're having one coming up, hopefully, in Alabama. I was actually thinking about there you go. buying tickets for my birthday and going. Don't so. think about it. Be about Do it. it. Just do it. Because if you don't, you're going to regret it. I did see Blue October recently in the Heights. So yeah? good good concert. He's actually from, his name's Justin, actually, the okay. lead singer. And he's from the Heights. So. Really? Yeah. No yeah. kidding. So yeah. Blue October... And the lead singers from the Heights, his yeah. name is Justin. Yeah. Interesting. I'll yeah. have to check it out. I've never you heard of it. You will have to check them out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So either read a book or go to a concert. Yes. I like that. Hey, yeah. there's no wrong answer. But yeah. now I know your interest. Scott, now that you've had time to think about right. it, what does a badass Friday night look like? We have not gone to a Dynamo game since COVID started. So ah. I think going out, Ubering down to okay. the restaurants that are all down there, hanging out there, having a drink before the game, going yes. to the game, and then hanging out afterwards and heading home would be a, a good one. I love it. We haven't done that for a while. We just got into tennis. So actually just playing tennis with a bunch of people would be fun too. So yeah. just kind of mix it up a little bit. but Very cool. But yeah, definitely getting out of the house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Nowadays, there's so much yeah. pent up demand. It's like we need yeah. to do something. I mean, soccer, are you a big soccer? fan or you just enjoy like watching I, used to, I played in high school and then Good i've always kind of just kept up with it a little bit but when the dynamo came in we were you know got season tickets and been going ever since and then when i moved to norway I had to stop for a little while when the new stadium got built so yeah when i came back going to the new stadium is amazing okay yeah so, it is. but it, covid just put a damper on that and i've had a couple opportunities to go but just like wasn't quite ready to venture out yet understandably so, now, so yeah i think we're ready to go okay good so soccer and having fun with friends, maybe a little tennis. I like that. Well, that's good. So I appreciate that. And before we keep going, I do want to highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. Their new and integrated iComplete ecosystem is digitally enabled and delivers efficiency benefits by dramatically reducing components and connections while simultaneously providing real-time data to operators about the well-pad operations. Technip FMC is continuing to push the limits in order to achieve full-frack automation. To discover more about the benefits of iComplete, click the link in the show notes or check them out on LinkedIn. Also, we're now doing our monthly happy hours here in Houston at the Canon. So check out OGGN.com for details. Uh, I'm sure you see it blasted all over LinkedIn. So come join us. It's great. We have great speakers, guests, and food, drinks, everything. So now that things are slowly loosening up, which I don't know, Delta, Delta variant apparently is throwing things off, but not to get into weeds on this whole pandemic situation, but we are doing our happy hour. So please come join us. It's a great time. And for reference, I have way more downloads than I do reviews. So please, if you could take a few minutes and leave a review, that'd be super much appreciated. All right. So let's dive into it. I'm curious, and either one of you can answer this. How are you guys, either from a business perspective, marketing, branding, how are you innovating this year? And not necessarily specific to like product offerings, but just sort of generally speaking. Anything come to mind? I would say our whole business model is innovative. So Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So we're actually a global sales team for startups. We've pulled a network of people in that have in the energy industry yeah. to do sales for startups. And so we're unlike anything else out there. We're not a lead generation company, not an accelerator. Right. We actually work with startups and then our business development team, which is our villagers, help open now, you know, within their network, they help open doors and make sales for startups. So that's super fascinating. And so I'm curious. So how did that, how does that evolve? Because obviously it was something either someone was scratching their own itch or you saw an opportunity in the market, combination of the two kind of. Yeah. So go? actually I worked at a startup, um, Biota Technologies and yeah. um, 
Yeah, have you heard of them? I interviewed Cooper. Uh, yeah, Cooper Gill. Cooper yeah. Gill. Yeah. yeah, super fascinating yes. technology. Yep. Um, anyway, yeah, go ahead. So I worked there for a bit with Sanjay Batia, who's also our business partner, and I was doing some marketing there. And I noticed, I was actually new to the oil and gas industry, mm. but what I noticed really quickly was we had these amazing salespeople, and they were kind of running through their Rolodex, and you know they make sales, and then we'd go to cold calling and cold emailing, and then they'd hire another salesperson, and it was kind of the same cycle. Yeah. And then I started noticing that all sales were made based on their network of who they knew. Yep. So Sanjay and I ended up, you know, kicking off Evolve Collective, which is the consulting firm arm of Evolve. Okay. And we started doing business development for startups there with our team of fifteen people, and we were actually really successful with our team of fifteen. Wow. And so, kind of combining those two things together, it's like let's take this on a global scale and bring in hundreds of people to it. do the same thing for startups. So Okay, very cool. And what about you? I mean, anything come to mind from an innovation perspective? And it could be, I mean, it doesn't even have to be evolved, but just, I mean, because obviously COVID has been crazy for everybody. Maybe you're innovating, whether it's, I mean, whatever, anything come to mind? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, they buy from people that they know. And it's the intimate relationships that they do. We're not selling little widgets and commodity type items. These yeah. are the solution sell. Yeah. So to do a solution sell, you have to have that relationship. Big time. And it's not just walking in and saying, hey, here's my product. And you buy it and you walk out. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a, be a multi-month process. Yeah. And then you have to really, really understand the, the problem that you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. See a lot of companies come in and say, hey, here's my stuff. And this is my features and stuff. But they don't listen to the customer at all. Yeah. So we bring those two pieces to it. What we're missing is the solution. And that's the cool part. We get to work with so many cool startups and new technologies and get into the front end of a lot of these technologies that we never would have heard about otherwise. Right. They're missing the relationships and the understanding. So they have a lot of the technical expertise, but they're very narrow focused. Yes. We put the whole thing together in a, in a comprehensive way. We got over 100 villagers already in 16 different countries to help what? with all this. So wow. it's amazing. I get to talk to people all over the world. And yeah. it's, it's really cool. That's really interesting. And in 2000, I've been in oil and gas since 2004, all in the upstream side of things. And one thing that I noticed about 2014, 15, and then going into 16, all of a sudden there was just a mass influx of of technology, digitalization, people from outside of oil and gas seeing the opportunity here because we're such a dinosaur industry. And I just intuitively knew like there's going to be a lot of challenges. There's going to be, how do you go from, you know, let's just say Silicon Valley or somewhere or Utah or somewhere where you've got, you know, there's a unique sort of culture there that then you bring in a technology that's new to sort of a legacy style independent industry and you may have a gentleman from West Texas who's, you know, been in Midland his whole life, although he's got a big, de- you know, he, he's, he's in a role to be able to make decisions. How are you necessarily, how is he going to trust someone from wherever? I mean, just using examples to then come in, spend, you know, X million dollars. It's yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a gap. And so like, how do you bridge that gap and, and make the connections? And I think that's, if just, if I'm hearing you correctly, that's sort of what you're doing is, is taking you know, opportunity, solutions, people connecting and then bridging the gap to make it all sort of happen and, and create deal flow. Is that, am I kind of on the right track? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we're a risk averse industry, right? And so, that too, yeah, time. so it makes it a little difficult. We need the innovation. We've seen some amazing startups. And so 
we, we don't just make the connection. We actually, our villagers, it's not just the lead generation. So we actually help all the way to the end. And so from customer expectations to signing the contract to, you know, we're from beginning to end on the sales process. So And that's extremely important too, because then you're building that trust and that, that relationship and that customer experience and decreasing the gap from what's expected to what's being delivered, yes. I would imagine, is, is important. Yeah, because you have these great, amazing founders, but I mean, they're doing a lot of things that they've never, you know, they're wearing several different hats, right? And mm-hmm. so a lot of them have never been in a sales role position and there's a lot to learn and, and know. So yeah, no, that's super fascinating. I want to talk more about Evolve, but I also want to kind of get to know more about you guys. because I think it's, it's always interesting to hear, you know, about more about the people as well. Let's start. Becky, where are you from originally? I'm actually from Oklahoma City, born okay. and raised in Oklahoma City. I yes. moved to Houston about eight years ago. So Okay. So I have to say, are you a Joy Exotic fan? No. <sighs> I don't even know who that is. Can I say that? Tiger, Tiger King? <laughs> Tiger King? That was a big oh, thing. Oh, yes. Oh, gosh. Because he's like his, his yes, farm yes, yes. or his, I know. his zoo is like... Yes. I see it passing, you know, <laughs> driving back and forth. every. No, I watched that documentary. Okay, yeah. good. Um, never went there, thank goodness, because oh. you know what? I kept thinking, you know how they use the old meat for the pizza? Did you watch this? The old meat? I'm, I... They actually were like pulling in old meat from Walmart, like expired meat to feed to the oh, animals. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. And they were using it for the p- toppings on the pizza that they were serving to the guests there. And I was oh just thinking, I'm, yeah, I'm so glad what? I never stood. Yes, yes. That was Crazy. like the thing I took away from the documentaries. <laughs> Yes. Noted. If I go there, don't eat the pizza. Yeah. Okay. I think, no, I'm not a, you know, not a fan, never really, but yes, right. did watch the documentary. So. Okay, good. No, I always laugh because I work with folks from Oklahoma and I've had plenty of rigs in Oklahoma. So I've gone there quite a bit and I always bug people that are from there. Like, yeah. So, you know, Tiger King is like sort of the image that I have when mm-hmm. I think of people in Oklahoma, Please which don't. is obviously not, Please but don't. Can, I always can have I to change that. <laughs> <laughs> you have, I have some great friends from Oklahoma city, Edmond, in other parts of Oklahoma that don't necessarily parallel or align with Joey Exotic. So, so you're safe. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, Oklahoma is a good time. Uh, are you a basketball football fan or basketball or? Kind of college football. So. College football. Yeah. 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 Okay. So good. it's kind of the big. Are you a big Sooner fan or OU or? Sooners. I, w- I will say that since my third child was born, I have not watched a football game. So ah, I, hear I don't you. know how that, that's pretty much how that was uh, 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> <So> <laughs> nice. That's life fun. gets a little crazy. So. It does. Kids will definitely do that and since my kids have been born i don't think i've actually watched a full football game either so i'm with you there scott you are so you said you're from oregon right yes i actually grew up in a town called boring oregon boring oregon i have to say it was it boring boring. yeah yeah so i'll get that out on the table yes it's kind of boring but okay (laughs) it's a suburb of portland so normally i would tell people i'm from portland yeah oh it's uh, okay it's a suburb but yeah it's it's a small little town and it's got lots of space so if you want outdoor type stuff and being away from everything it's the place to be okay so what kind of hobbies did you do growing up did a lot of sports, track, cross country, soccer, nice. those kind of things. Just kept real busy. Always something going on. Never, yeah. Never a dull moment, Good. even though I lived in boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, boring could be taken into either like you're boring a hole in the ground or it could just be like a boring place to be. But regardless, it sounds like you're you enjoy running. Soccer, I track. did. Now I switched when I moved to Florida. I actually got into sand volleyball and I played that for probably 20 years. And so I'm kind cool. of retired. My shoulder's given out. So oh. then switching into tennis has been a little bit better, but still, still hard active. on the shoulder, though, isn't it? It can be not as bad as volleyball, though. Right. Volleyball almost every 
every other hit you're hitting hard overhead and good point so tennis the serve yeah yeah but the, all the other motions are a little bit different mechanics so it's holding up so far so knock on wood there you go i tried playing tennis not too long ago my boss actually encouraged myself and another gentleman that we work with to go play and i actually really enjoyed it it was a lot more challenging than i was expecting it's a good little workout but it was crazy because i would see kids maybe in their teens and younger playing i'm like how does this little person hit the ball so hard <laughs> like it was just mind-blowing tennis is very cool did you watch wasn't there a recent tennis well the u.s tournament? open's going on right now right. And yeah mid olympics and stuff but of course right i mean do you have a favorite tennis player man so this goes way back but okay. Elon Lindell, who okay. he doesn't even play anymore but really? he's kind of an underrated he was one of the top you know players in the world but everybody kind of hated him so i kind of liked him for that. oh he yeah did some crazy stuff on the court that i think people are just like oh it's not fair. Just okay, but, really. Uh, like current not... players, man. I don't know. I'm just kind of getting back into it, so I'll get Good for a lot you. of the names kind of slipping. Yeah, but you know the the greats, you know the Nadal and Djokovic and yeah. Federer and all those. Those guys are awesome to watch. No, that's so cool. I actually watched a documentary and and on a lady Osaka. Naomi Osaka, yeah, yeah. It was really good. Fascinating documentary. And just to kind of, I don't know if it came out right after, around the same time when Simone Biles pulled herself out of. Uh, so it came the, out a couple months ago, I think. Oh, it did. So okay, yeah, so but she's been having some of these issues. It that are, seems like the it. Mental aspects of sports is so neglected you know and people don't think but to compete at that elite level yeah mental fitness is so big part of it it but is we kind of shy away from it because that's just a little weird if you have some issues but yeah everybody has them right and no, no. One just really wants to talk about them so i think what simone did and nomi did is is very admirable and what they're bringing highlights to it and it's they're not alone everybody struggles with that of we course just don't want to think we do yeah and and for the listeners out there i know it's a debatable topic i've had lots of conversations over a drink or or lunch or coffees it's you know some agree some don't but at, but at the end of the day i think anyone who's competed in sports at a high level understands there's a lot of pressure and, and it can throw you off but just kind of going back to tennis it's fascinating i think the the skill level and and then just the amount of talent that a lot of younger, the, the younger generation are coming up in is, is amazing. And so, Becky, what about you? What kind of hobbies did you do growing up? Actually, I was a cheerleader in high school, but I hate to admit that right Why? now. Why? What? <laughs> Isn't that like the American dream for a girl? I mean, in Canada, like all the pretty girls are like, I want to be American cheerleaders. Yeah. It was small school, so pretty much anybody could do it, I'd say. So. Can, you, can you say a cheer right now? Oh, God, no. What? Come I on. almost scre- Can we edit this part what? out? No. Like, I'm... But I'm like, that, <laughs> there was no other hobby. That was it. So, hey, be yeah. proud of, of your past uh-huh. because it made you who you are today. Mm, that's okay? true. That's true. So, like, okay. you don't have to sing it, but, like, oh, let's go. No, don't. I'll, no. What? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you would have to pay me big money for that. So, no. Ah. Uh. I'm singing it in my head right now. It never leaves you. Okay, so you don't have to sing it, but how? What's like a typical? Because I, I mean, uh, I'm genuinely interested. I'm not trying to like make fun or do it, but like being from Canada, we don't have this type of stuff. So like, small town, like what's like a cheer? Like what's a saying that is said? L A T S G O. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So that's great. I like that. See, no, yeah, I'm sorry I said that. Okay. I, I'm going to cheer that before each podcast. I sounded go. very enthusiastic when I said it. Yeah, huh? you didn't. So hopefully you did better back then you did I now. I did, I did, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's great. And going into cheerleading, that's, that's a very competitive sport. Now, we have friends, daughters who do it, and they spend a ton of money. They travel all over the place to do good. They got fancy outfits. It's a big deal, right? It is now. I mean, this was a while back, so... This was late 90s. So okay. things have changed a lot. I know 
my daughter's kind of getting into that world. And so okay. it gets pretty crazy. I mean, you could be gone every weekend on competitions and it's like a competitive sport, right? It can yeah. be. It's very oh athletic. yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. No, it's um, intense. So I know some people do the, you know, competitive aspect and then some cheer at school. So some do both. Wow. So, yeah. Huh. Are you happy that your daughter's sort of following the footsteps or what? Yeah, I'll see where it goes. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to get her to try several different things. I'd be fine, whatever she's whatever she wants to do. So. Right. And and I and I admire that. It's it's you know, I've again my wife and I have two kids and you know, although you know, someone growing up playing football and basketball and all the you know, quote unquote, like guy sports. If my son decides to do something else and he's, as long as he's passionate about something, I'll support it. And so, although I'd love for him to play football, which I think he, I mean, he he enjoys balls and like hitting them and stuff. And so I think he's onto something there, but if not, Hey, that's okay. Yeah. I think you learn that they're like their own person, right? I think you have this vision of what they're going to be like, and then they completely blow that out of the water when you have kids, right? They're all so different. They're just their own person. So they are. And and I think it, and it's, it's a tough as a parent, again, you want them to, a lot of parents, just their observation, I find that they, they want to live through their kids. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's really sad. I mean, because, I mean, my parents, fortunately, they let me do what I wanted to do. And, and while they tried to guide me, they respected my desires and, and you know, and, and kind of they said, well, I, I know you want to do that. Kind of like the hockey thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they, they wanted me to do something, but they understood, like, maybe you're better doing this. And so kind of guiding, but not like forcing. Although you, you get someone like a Tiger Woods or something like that, where, the, you know, if parents push them so hard that, I mean, they just become good just by <laughs> yeah. default because they're getting pushed so hard. But anyway, that's another like wild topic. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so, I got you off topic there. What's that? I got you off topic there. No, no. Yeah. Th- that's what I love about it. We can talk about anything. It doesn't have to be anything specific. And don't worry. We'll go get to talk about Evolve. <laughs> don't worry. We're getting there. So anyway, actually, so Becky, I was looking at your LinkedIn, and you have a pretty solid background in marketing, communications. Like you said, before Evolve, or before Biota, you weren't in oil and gas. And so I'm actually taking a marketing class right now. And it's fascinating because I thought, originally, I thought marketing was like, you know, Facebook ads and cool billboards. But it goes far deeper than that. And there's almost a science behind it. And so I'm curious now, because COVID's kind of changed the fundamentals of marketing, what is exciting in marketing? Not necessarily for bio, but just in general, like as someone who's been in marketing for a while, like, is there anything that kind of piques your interest to say, hey, like, people are doing something really neat. And here's what it looks like. Does anything come to mind? I would say video, you know, just everybody kind of going to, I think video is kind of the way of marketing soon. I'm more of like, I like the creative side of marketing. I'm not so much like the analytical sure. side of it. So yeah, we yeah. have somebody Swetcha. She's amazing. We're a great team. So she's really good at that side. But I like the the videos and creating content and figuring out ways to kind of connect with the customer through that. So. Yeah. So why do you think creating content has become such a popular I guess, just way of providing information. So I think we say this a lot, but people want to buy from people they know and like. And so I think you have to let yourself be known, connect with the people that are going to buy from you, right? So I think your ideal customers are ones that kind of get to know the people behind the company and the product or service that way. So yeah, I think, yeah. And I think you summed it up nicely. I think you're exactly right. And someone who's in sales and I've, I get to dabble a little bit in our marketing stuff for the company I work with, but that's what it seems like. And especially during, during COVID where you couldn't make those face-to-face interactions, like how do you deliver a message? How do you build trust and provide, you know, and educate. And, and again, like video content is somewhat king right now. And and then it's in creating, getting creative on top of that, which is yeah. obviously important too. 
Have you seen Vidyard? It's kind of a cool tool to use. You actually no. can record videos of yourself and email it to, and you kind of do like, you can show your computer, do a little PowerPoint presentation or just oh. record a video of yourself and then send it to somebody. From a sales perspective, it's better than an email, I think, because you're putting a face to a name and there's just something different besides an email and a video of somebody, right? There's a little bit more connection there. So yeah. it's kind of a cool tool. And it's called Vidyard? Yes. Yep. Vidyard. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's really neat. And actually for a while I saw you know, during the COVID when everyone was at home, people sending video messages, like instead of sending a text that, hey, you hope all is well, whatever you say, you send a video message and it's kind of a personalized like, hey, what, you know, thinking about you or hey, did you know we have this or whatever the case may be. But yeah, doing personalized video messages seemed like it kind of was trending there for a bit. And it seems like it kind of still is. So yeah, huh? interesting. So Scott, looking back, you attended Oregon State, so you're from... Go Beavs. Yeah, okay, there you go. Like, if you were to follow college sports for them, what is it? Well, in years, it goes up and down. But okay. football, we kind of start to have some success there. But baseball has been phenomenal. They've won ah. three World Series in the last... I remember the last, it was a couple of years ago, and then they bet one, two back-to-back. So watching them play baseball is a lot of fun. Okay, interesting. I got a track team now, which is nice. They okay. didn't have it when I was attending. Yeah, I know that you're obviously pumped for that, so yeah, that's yeah. good. So you went to Oregon State, and then you landed at FMC and were there for quite a while. But how does a gentleman from, from Oregon get into the oil and gas industry? It's kind of an interesting... Very, just fell into it quite literally. So okay. I moved to Florida, and we did aircraft ground support equipment there with FMC Technologies. And so I really like the company... After 9-11, that business almost shut down, and they needed engineers in Houston for oil and gas. I didn't know anything about it. The only thing I knew about oil and gas is I go to the gas pump and put gas in the car. That was it. <laughs> yeah, and all the oil, oil companies are making so much money. Yeah, well. Gas prices are yeah, too yeah. high. <laughs> and then, you know, so then I moved over there, and I thought, because I love living in Florida, the beach volleyball scene was awesome. Oh, for and, sure. And the beaches and everything. And then I found out that Houston's close to a beach, and I was like, cool. So the first weekend that, I went out there, and I'm like. That's debatable. Ooh, that was tough. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I'm here, and I really thought I was going to, you know, stay here for a couple of years, and then, or maybe months, and then go back to Florida, because I loved it there. Of course. But that was 20-some-odd years ago, and so, and really just kind of fell in love with the industry. Just It still just baffles me what we do as an industry oh. to do. It's unbelievable. You just, we shouldn't be doing some of these things, you know? It is. It's 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 kind of unbelievable. And I mean, it is. I mean, to be able to drill, and again, I'm on the drilling side, so I'm just going to reference drilling, but, you know, you drill 20,000 feet, measured depth, now even pushing 30, 40 sometimes, and to get to a target within a few feet is is absolutely amazing. But yet we can't have Wi-Fi all throughout the world. <laughs> that boggles me. Anyway, so no, it, it is. And, and then I noticed too, you got your MBA from a and Is mm-hmm. that right? Yep. Okay. So what made you get your MBA? Just the technical side was a lot of fun, but I just got more interested in the business side of things. Yep. And I feel, I still use my technical background a lot, you know, because especially talking to a lot of these startups, you know, it's very technical. For sure. So I can kind of understand there what they're going through, their technical challenges, but also the business is a whole nother challenge there too. Yeah. So marrying the two together has been a, has been a lot of fun. I like the analytics on both sides. There's a lot of business analytics. There's, you know, the calculations and everything for engineering. So I've just kind of shifted my focus and was looking to just broaden my skill set and horizon. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of fell into that as well, you know. And once I got involved with it, it's been great. And I've kept up with a lot of my classmates. Good for you. It's been a lot of fun there to learn a lot and just open up a lot more doors. Yes. 
and it's been very helpful getting the Evolve Village up and running as well. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And I can admire someone who's got a technical background and with, you know, and then getting a formal education in business, marrying the two. You know, you see a lot of people running companies, CEOs, and just people continuing to advance that have that sort of that dual sort of specialized knowledge, which again, is fascinating. And I would imagine contributes to the success of Evolve, which, you know, again, I do want to talk about. I mean, that's why we're here today to discuss Evolve and and obviously to know more about you guys. But so I have, we kind of gave a basic understanding of it, but talk about the evolution of it, you know, how it started and then, you know, sort of maybe the bumps and bruises along the way and into what it is now. Cause I think, you know, going from nothing to then starting a company to it now growing, right. That's a fascinating feed because most startups fail. So mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, the idea from it came from my time at Biota and then Sanjay and I would commute in together. We kind of bounce ideas off of each other that way. And then we kicked off Evolve Collective. And the reason we started the Evolve Collective, the consulting arm was while we were at Biota, we realized there wasn't a lot of consulting options for startups. And we have a few funny stories from there, but there are... Let's hear about them. You want to hear about them? Yes. Funny stories are good stories. Uh, Come on. Is this... Can this be rated R? Like, it's bad. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, just say it, and if we need to edit it, we can. Um, Don't worry. The sponsor so, will appreciate Okay, it. yeah. So we had a consultant come in there, and he was promising the world and, and making connections and sales. And let's just say he was very vulgar in the way that he talked about what he was going to have customers doing by the end. And so interesting. I went home to my kids that night and told them they could do anything they want in the world as long as they're confident. So <laughs> it was it was pretty, pretty. I was waiting for the cameras to come out. It was pretty rough. So really? Um, yes, yes. Okay. And so, of course, he ended up, I suggested they probably don't want him representing the company, but I think <laughs> there's not a lot of options for startups. And so yeah. they ended up using them and it didn't go very well. So it was kind of, you know, our experiences being in, in Biota that we decided to start. And Sanjay actually consulted for several years with Booz Allen. And so, oh. and then he was a VP of business development at FMC Technologies. So he's got like this great background. And so we kicked off Evolve Collective. We actually launched Smack in the middle of COVID. I was building the website and then that's COVID the best. Hit. That's the best time to start. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was right? great. Don't start yeah. when everything's busy, the demand's high, and all you got to do is build it. They'll come. Build it when no one wants anything. And if you can make it happen then, then off to the races. We had a few clients already, thankfully, but then we, we, we launched the website probably when we were all hunkered down during quarantine is when I... If we finished the website and launched. And so wow. then we, you know, we started working with a lot of startups, combining all that together. Just not to interrupt, which I obviously did, but I'm curious because you said you, you've mentioned now working with a bunch of startups. So how did you, how did you reach these startups and how did the startups know about you? I mean, cause that's, I think an interesting part that, I mean, you're kind of just brushing over, but how, how did you do that? Honestly, at this point, it's a lot of Sanjay with his connections. He's well known for, he's brilliant. And okay. so he's got connections with VCs and then he knows other startups. Oh, okay. So he's got a vast, mm-hmm. net, like mm-hmm. a huge network. That, mm-hmm. Okay. And they know how amazing he is. And so okay. once, once the collective launched, you know, the word got out. And, and so that's how the word came in there. Right. And so, and then we were successful, I think, work, you know, word travels with our business development there. And we're of doing course. other projects or strategy. I mean, we've done all kinds of projects. So, so we worked with Scott on a, a large project and we had the idea for the village. It's funny because had the idea for the village and then and then Sanjay was, you know, we were bouncing it off for a long, long time. And then Sanjay's like, I think we should do this. Let's let's do it. And so 
we knew we needed we needed help and we wanted Scott and Rob, which is the other there's four of us, so business partners. And so okay. we pulled them in and gosh, this was months and months and months ago. We we were sitting on Zoom planning the village and the program and what it was gonna I mean, it was hours and hours of prep and planning. And so wow. there was times I remember Scott coming in and we're all wearing masks, like trying to whiteboard because it was just yeah. in the middle of COVID. It was crazy. Right. So we just, I'd say a lot of blood, sweat, and tears for a long time before we launched it off. So hey, maybe that's... not so much blood, but. <laughs> any blood, but Sanjay and I didn't get to like that kind of argument. No, okay. a couple of times I had to get in there. <laughs> but that's good, right? Con- healthy conflict oh, yeah, is, is really is. necessary is. in business. It so is I, totally healthy. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. it is. And so did you know Sanjay from Technic? Yeah, no, I worked with Sanjay during, when in the business development side of stuff. And ah. then. How I met Rob Lewis, who's our technical guy or the digital guy. Yeah. We ended up buying his company that he created. Okay. So he's a startup guy. What was the company? CSI. Okay. So they have a, a SCADA system and it's called UCOS. It's a really cool software. So we went out and bought that. And then so we've all stayed in touch over the years. Yeah. And then, you know, Sanjay and Becky said, hey, we're kind of thinking about this, doing some brainstorming sessions, and we had no idea where this was going to go. And we're just kind of playing with it. And then it started to take shape and and then it's growing. And then we're like, well, do we think this is going to work? You know, and because, you know, most companies fail. The biggest reason is product market fit. They have a product that no one wants or no one understands. So we're doing the same thing. And we're like, is this going to work? Does people even want this? And everybody Mm. was telling us, oh, this is really cool. No one has this in the market. I think you guys are going to be great. Okay, cool. But, you know, until it actually happens. And then we're starting to get, we have a, we got a contract a couple of weeks ago for a new villager or a new startup in the village. And then okay. we got another one that's going to sign here. So it's starting to like happen. And it's like, wow, Whoa, this, this is really happening. It's, and no, it's pretty cool. That is, no, it's, it's a, absolutely cool. And to tie it together, because oftentimes, and I have an idea, but just, just to summarize again, what it is you guys do because a lot of times there's a lot of like interesting and gray area businesses that start not to say yours is but again like just very high level what is a typical scope of work for evolve and if there's a few different branches then you may have to like kind of segment it but but in general like what is it that you guys offer like what's the most simple way to put it so i'd say with evolve village if a startup comes in and they actually go through an e we call it the e3 program okay so they start with the E3 program and the very first phase of the E3 program is product market fit. So what we do okay. is we have this panel and we pull in 10 of our, we call them our villagers, but they're technical experts, sales, business development team, and also industry leaders. We have CTOs and we pull in 10 of those people so that the founder can kind of present their their product to them and, yeah. and figure out if there's a product market fit or maybe they need to make adjustments on pricing, target customers, et cetera. Okay. So they go through that phase. We really help them tweak that. And, and another cool thing about it is they actually get one-on-one time with all of those people to ask questions and just kind of figure things out. I think it's like, you know, you always, as a founder, you want to pick the brains of other people that Absolutely. would be like the end user or the, the decision maker for your product. And so after that phase, they go into phase two, which is we work with them on finance, operations, marketing, sales, you know, help them with their sales deck. And then once they finish phase two, they enter in the village. And essentially what we wanted to do is the it's important that our villagers are super confident in the startups that they're going to open their network to. Yeah. So the E3 program is to make sure that they're it helps a startup you know, close all these gaps and kill it in the village, but also yeah. make sure our villagers are feel super confident opening doors for these startups. Of course. And so once they enter the village, we become like the megaphone to the villagers. And so we have a webinar, we introduce the startup to the villagers, and then 
we kind of, you know, we contact the villagers that we think would be interested in starting. We're kind of working behind the scenes to really make the connections. And, and, you know, we have a pulse on what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And then when a connection's made, the villager's going to help. So let's just say a villager had a contact at a, you know, Anadark. Uh, an, sure. Yeah. Okay. So he has a contact. I'm sorry. Anadark is not really around anymore. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> that was wrong. Ox- let's Oxy- say Exxon, Oxy. Yeah. Right. I threw that one out. That's No, it's okay. totally fine. Yeah. So that, sorry. So they have a contact there and they see the startup. They know somebody at that company. They realize, hey, I think this would be a great great technology that this company would want or need. So they contact their contact within the company and they kind of facilitate the sell there. And then the villagers get a percentage of the sell. So we're incentivizing them behind the scenes. So Okay. No, that is super clear and well-defined. Thank you. No, that's great. I think that's such a fascinating business model. And so I'm curious. So so now, Scott, where do you fit into sort of how this all goes? And what do you like? What kind of expertise do you offer within this whole process? So I'd like to think I'm the glue that kind of keeps it all together and chasing down the right way. I mean, the marketing part is super huge. And that's why Becky's our CEO. And we have a full time person, Swetcha, to help us out with that. Yeah. Our website would look pitiful if, if it was <laughs> up to, like, say, Rob or Sanjay. Yeah, or I love your guys' branding, by the way. Thank I you. think it's great. Yeah, Thank for you. sure. Yeah. So it's it's been you know, whatever needs to be done. You know, kind of more on, the, I guess, the financial side, the project management side, just getting everything going through together. I think we made a comment that if I get really kind of flustered and scared, then we got to worry. But if I'm kind of cool and calm, yeah. things everything's okay. We call him our get her done guy. Like, I mean, if there's a fire going on, Scott's like, okay, everybody let's like, he'll just walk us through. And so he's so calm. And then, you know, I'm like the idea, like I'm, you know, a little ADD running around. And so he kind of pulls everything together for, for all of us. So, you know, and I think it really emphasizes the need for a diverse team. You know, obviously you understand your strengths, you understand your strengths, complement each other, conquer and divide, divide and conquer. But no, I think it's it sounds like a really great team. And, and so I'm curious, it hasn't been all unicorns and rainbows. What, what's been the biggest challenge for either, or like what's been your biggest growth limiter that you guys have had to overcome or that you're kind of faced with right now? Besides COVID? <laughs> I mean, that's obviously one. Yeah, no, it's just getting the word out. But we're just, we're still kind of getting started. We haven't done a full on marketing full core press yet. So that's going to something we need to work on. But we haven't really got there yet. So. Okay. Yeah, we, and we launched in June. We, we did our tech. We have, and honestly, I'd say our biggest challenge is we have several startups in queue that are interested. And we're trying to, you know, we're moving that steps from like figuring out, okay, we're doing all of those things that we had planned. And so it's it's executing all these things. And the customer relationship and the customer expectations, like we want to nail that too along the way. And so I think it's it's like you have all these these startups ready and interested and ready to go. And we're kind of piloting our own through, right? And so yeah. we know we were, you know, we were successful out of the collective, but we're also doing it a little differently here too. I mean, and, and having more people involved. And so yeah. it's managing a lot of people. You have the startup side and then we have the villager side yeah. and kind of, you know, managing the expectations of the villagers and the startups. And, and we want to build a community and make sure, you know, everybody feels like it's a community and, and we set great expectations. So, yeah, no, it's, and I mean, again, you guys literally just got started. So yeah. I'm sure there's, you know, just growing just right from the get go is always challenging too. So I think it's great. And, and it, again, it's how do you vet certain startups? Like, what is that? I mean, I know that you said the E3 process, but is uh-huh. there something even before then that you kind of look for? Cause I'm sure everyone 
is trying to get a piece of pie and like coming to you and say, hey, we've got this great whatever, like get us in the in line, <laughs> so to speak. So how do you navigate that? So we actually, the, you know, the startup will fill out an application and then we kind of look them over, look over the website. Rob, our, our digital guy, he's just okay. brilliant. So he can look at a website. He kind of digs into the technology. Honestly, well, if they're, if they're wanting to go through phase one, we kind of break up the E3 into phase one. It's just they need to get through phase one to make sure there's a product market fit before they go and even go yeah. into phase two. And so I would say that's part of it, right? And they would also want to know, I mean, if I was a founder and I had this great idea and I was starting to put a lot of time and energy into something, yeah. you get access to 10 people that would be the decision makers or the end makers to kind of either help you tweak or you know adjust or yeah. pivot or say, you know what, there's no product market fit for this. And so right. that's the, I'd say that's the big part of it, but it helps them, but it also helps us make sure that they're ready for phase two. So yeah, no, I could see that. And so it sounds like you've got it well planned out to where, because mm -hmm. I could see it taking a lot of time and resources for to evaluate whether or not these startups even make sense for you guys, because mm -hmm. you guys are in business to make sure that whatever, I mean, you guys have obviously a reputation that whatever startups that you bring in if they're flops then the next time someone goes hey we got this startup, like, well the last one you brought was useless right. so why am i going to trust right. you now so i could see that being you know just something to consider and, and you know part of the the experience too and i mean that's what also why we bring in the villagers because we don't know everything about every technology out there I mean, yeah. there's four of us and so the, the whole point of that is bringing in and they get paid for their time on the panel as well so it's bringing them in because we need opinions from all ends and yeah. that would that are knowledgeable in that area or with that technology. And it would be so. silly for for you guys just as a as a small team to assume that you can get product to market if you've never worked the market or have connections in the exactly. market. Exactly. So yes. I think yes. that's super smart. Yes. So then that brings me to my next question: is is the villager? I, I noticed on I think it was your LinkedIn, you guys had a sort of a brochure, and I think you sent it to me this morning mm -hmm. actually, and it kind of outlines like, hey, if you're you know, well, I'll let you explain it. Yeah. Well, what is that? It's I don't know if it's like a program or what. Yeah, so there's no there's no cost to be a villager. We we always have people wonder about that. So essentially, what we're wanting to do is bring in industry leaders and and experts that mm. are interested in innovation, right? So. Yeah. I would love to have hundreds of people. That's our, our vision. And so some of them are retired. Some of them work full time. Some of them kind of are in between jobs. They wear all different hats. And so yeah. they can kind of put in as much time or as little time as they want. We have some people that are probably going to be more full time. And then some, maybe they already have a sales position and they're just going to kind of see if there's some startups, you know, that they would be interested in working with. And then we also actually have some VCs, investors in the in the village, as well as companies that are or people within companies that are interested in bringing the startups with to their company. And so ah. it's kind of a mix of all those things. We have it set up where if there's any conflict of interest for our villagers, maybe they bring something into their company, they get we take the money and we give it to a charity. So wow, good for you guys. Yeah. I love the concept and, and what you guys are doing. That's so cool. Did you guys bootstrap or did you guys raise capital? Bootstrap. Bootstrap. Nice. Still bootstrapping. Yeah. 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 No, that's and again, there's there's benefits to both. My wife's bootstrapping her company right now and talk about a gong show. Yes. <laughs> wow. Good for you guys. So we we're kind of I mean, we're in the startup bootstrapping stage and we also, we've worked with startups that have given a lot of equity away too, right? And so yeah. for to advisors or certain, you know, situations. And so, you know, what we want is these startups to come in and 
we want to help them bootstrap too, because their sales grow and they're able to not have to like give so much equity away. So we we really want them to be able to bootstrap and grow through the village. So, and then exit, right? That's our main goal. And and I think too, it kind of helps for you guys to guide them because I would imagine if a startup is super eager, they're willing to give the farm away. Like yes. it's they're, like they're desperate. And it's like whatever it takes. Like I just we just need to get this going. And it's like, well, wait, like, no, you actually have something. Like don't completely yes. give all your equity away because you. I mean, you've worked hard, and yes. so hopefully there's an ethical piece there that plays in into where because like if you're truly if the mission and the values are such to help startups, yes. you know, I think there's probably a lot out there that would somewhat not necessarily take advantage, but but steer them a little bit in the wrong way. And so I think it's cool. And it sounds like you guys are, are, are quite well aware of that. So, I mean, they don't have time on their side, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you see them get, and then you have COVID or like, and we're in, a, in an industry that's risk averse. And so yeah. it's hard as a startup founder in the, in this industry. And so yeah. I have seen where they've, they've gotten desperate and they've given so much equity away. And then those kind of people just fall off the map or, you know, and so, yeah. and, and it's sad to see that. And so, you know, they're all in, they've given everything to this to this and you probably yeah. see your wife doing it and so you know but yeah you put your heart and soul and it's insane how yeah. many hours you can put into your into your business and so yes all 24 if you yes if you let it yes i mean <laughs> and so i mean that was part of the reason we wanted to that's you know part of the idea behind the village is just to really help ex- you know accelerate sales for startups and help get them going so super cool yeah. no that's fantastic so what does the future look like? If you had a crystal ball in 10 years from now, what is Evolve doing? What I mean, what does that look like? Oh, gosh. What's the grand vision? I want multiple villages. So medical village. Oh, um, yeah. You know, energy village. So we have, I think, maybe even like an influencer village for B2C cells. And so, um, yeah, yeah, that's an idea. Go ahead, back there. Becky. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So, yeah. you know, like right now on Instagram, you have these influencers that are post something and they sell out like... You know, influencer marketing is big. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to bring in a bunch of influencers in a, in a village. I actually had this idea. I had a great conversation with somebody that contacted me off LinkedIn and she helped me like we brainstormed and she actually helped me come up with this idea. But so I can't take credit. And so I thought you have all these influencers log in and see what they could what they could post or put on, you know, Instagram. And wow, that's my long term vision. So I don't okay. even think I've thrown that at you. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> And what I, about you? I, my I think, dream would be to, so I trade stocks and options as well, kind of on the side. Good for you. And okay. I want to trade one of these companies. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would be so Getting cool to it. see their ticker go across CNBC and like, hey, I hope those guys yes, uh, move I, all the barriers and get where they are. That would be just. That is so cool. And like you said, I, and I think that comes from the heart of helping people. Right? Oh, yeah, it's not. Chills, look at that. Yeah, yeah no, but that, that's, that's passion. Cool. And, and that's just like, that's, that's your purpose. And that's what you want to do. I think it's amazing. And as long as the driving and the motivator is not just to make as much money as you possibly can, which neither one of you said is we want to build it and sell it and then retire, yeah. you know, on a beach in Florida or somewhere. It's like you're doing it for a reason. And then the reason shows and the passion shows. I suspect that it'll be nothing but success from here on in. I want to also add, like, Justin, one of the things behind the village, too, is we've seen, you know, a lot of people have been hit hard in the industry without, I mean, really, really brilliant people that yes. are without a job. Yep. And so the I mean, the idea of the village is you're pulling in amazing talent and they don't necessarily work for one company. They can work for multiple companies and yeah. build a really cool culture that just gives these people purpose, right? And in yeah. a tough time. So Yeah, and it's just it seems like there's so much opportunity out there for both sides. Yes. Whether it's sales, business development, marketing, and then obviously within the startup world. No, it's really neat. And and you know, it'd be cool to do like a round two in a year from now and see how much you've blown up. Cause right now, you know, there's just 
there's act, you know, activities increasing. People are, you know, especially operators are generating some mm-hmm. free cash flow to be able to hopefully spend while remaining disciplined, but maybe test the waters with, with some new technology. Because that's what's going to get our, you know, especially, you know, kind of looking more on a macro level f- with this whole energy transition. It's going to require efficiencies, technologies, lower costs. And the way to do that is, you know, through disruptive technologies or you know, making technologies better. So it's, I just, it, it seems like the timing for you guys couldn't be any better, which I'm sure you guys have recognized, which yeah. again is super cool. Well, so how does somebody, let's start with the, with a startup. So the best way, like if someone's listening to this, like mm-hmm. I'm the right fit, like I need to get in touch with them. What's the best way? How do you do that? We have a link on our website where they can fill out a startup application <clears> and then okay. and they'll fill that out and we'll get back to them pretty quickly. And then a villager as well, they can fill out an application there. And um, Okay. So it's all on the website. Yep. Perfect. Yep. I'll put the link in the show notes. That way all they got to do is click and then hopefully get connected. What if, like, if someone just wants to reach out personally, what's the best way? Like, if they have ideas or just, you know, would love to yeah. meet you for coffee or... On our website, it has our contact info or LinkedIn. I've yeah. met so many. I mean, I've had people contact me from a podcast I've been on or, like, just randomly from seeing posts on LinkedIn. And yeah. it's been it's been the greatest experience to connect with people. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. So I that's can been my favorite part. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. And same thing with you. Yeah. And LinkedIn. I hear there's a really cool event going on here tonight. That's yeah. yeah. Attending as well. You're coming. Much. Good, yes, good, absolutely. good. I would love to. Unfortunately, I have class tonight. And so, yeah, yeah, that's definitely taken up every evening and weekend of mine for Is last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in school. Stay cool. Stay in school. <laughs> that's my motto for now. But anyway, so yeah, like I said, so you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're coming and yeah, OGGN is a great way to meet everybody. And so happy hours are strong and, and live. So last question I have for both of you is I like to, you know, kind of close out with something personal. You probably already heard it if you listen to the podcast. What's something about you that not many people know about? Do you have any sort of hidden secrets, any hidden hobbies? I think I know what it is, but I'll let you answer. So I was going to answer the other question I've heard you ask about the, okay. you know, chilling out at work, meditating and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. The interest that not a lot of people know is a Formula One. I'm okay. a Red Bull racing fan. So yeah. That's, I don't know where the race is going to be or what weekend it's going to be. We're still kind of in flux because of COVID. But okay. yeah, I think a lot of people, I'm not wearing a Red Bull shirt today, but no. sometime out and about I do. So do you love the drink Red Bull? I drink it on occasion. Yeah. Okay. My wife. <laughs> like oh this is bad for you stay but, away but yeah i just like the branding and then they've been very competitive in years past and, and they're on the way up now yeah so it's cool no and it is more of a comical question but but going back to the f1 racing is fascinating and is it gaining popularity is it is it kind it's of starting steady? to is we're it? gonna have two races next year one in miami and one in austin very so cool the media company the bot formula one is an american company so they're trying to push it over here oh uh, who did yeah, they buy it from getting, Shoot, I can't remember the name of the company. Where were they from? Like They're in Europe? Europe? Yeah. Okay. So. Cool. No, that's really neat. Okay, then I'm going to ask the question because maybe you've thought about it. So do you have any daily routines or habits that contribute to the success or you know, what helps you recharge? And, and Yeah, it's the whole meditation, I do transcendental meditation. You do? Which okay. Which is a little bit different than your normal kind of meditation. So it's because I'm aware of it, but explain what's the difference between so guided. So a lot of the transcendental, it's like this secret code, you know, they don't tell you. We're not supposed to keep it kind of sort of secret, but there's a group here in Houston that, that authorizes you to, to learn the method and everything. Okay. But it's just, it's a 20 minute twice a day. It's not a guided thing where you sit there and kind of try to have no thoughts you know? right so there's, it's a there's a method to it yeah and it just helps you recharge you know and there's the power nap you could do that too but yeah. this tends to be a little bit more comprehensive 
it's hard to get it in because it's 40 minutes a day, which is huge. Yeah. Time commitment. I mean, it, but, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I know for me, chalking out 40 minutes would be challenging. I'd have mm -hmm. to, I'd have to give up something and that's not even giving up scrolling Instagram because I barely do that. But I think a lot of people do have 40 minutes or 60 minutes, but for, for someone like yourself, who's, you know, a, I was assuming a high performer, constantly busy, you know, you can never catch up. It's hard to chalk it out, but the ROI is probably there and more from just like a mental health and, and just relaxation, hopefully stress perspective. When do you do it? Morning, night or how does well, that? You're supposed to do it once in the morning and once in the evening. And okay. I'll, I'll admit I don't get it in every day. I yeah. didn't do it today because this podcast is in the morning and it kind of disrupted my kind of morning routine. But it well, is... I'm sorry to disrupt the meditation oh, routine. Oh, you're, you're fine. I'll get over it. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> hopefully I can make it up to you. It's kind of part of your job if you think of it that way. Yeah. Because, you know, typically a day, you know, 7, 7.30 to seven at night and that's a long time to be just on it so yeah you need that time to recharge and regroup mm -hmm. and if you don't just let things go and get down to a base level you're just you're gonna go crazy okay so are you do you go as far as like regulating your heart rate too with all that or is it just nah, the you don't even focus on any of that there's just a special method that you go through okay. and you just kind of let things happen and so if anyone's interested in that you said there's this yeah tm.org okay and there's a local place here in town that you can get the method taught to you and everything. So, awesome. Yeah. Cool. I, I'm big on that too. I have a sauna at home and I do some in the evening is when I do my little recharge and disconnect. So I can identify with that. Becky, what's something about yourself that not many people know about? You said you were a cheerleader. You said you like the, I forget oh, the band name. You said it again. My name I didn't know about the cheerleaders. Yeah. Right. No, the, I know. Maybe I, that was the thing nobody knows. I'd say I'm kind of a book nerd. So Yeah, because I read you have, you'll buy too many books that you'll ever be able to read. Yes. Okay. So I love reading. I love documentaries, art, music. So I'd say I'm a little bit of a nerd. You're, no, that, but yeah. you're, you're a creator and you've got the creative artistic side of you, which is super cool. So what, if you were to choose one book to gift to everyone that you know, what would it be? Oh, I'm kind of in the middle of it now, but it's been really profound. Uh, Radical Compassion cool, by Tara Brock. So Interesting. highly recommend that for everybody. So are you a reader or an audio book listener? Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. So depending cool. on what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. And then you said documentaries. What's, what's your favorite documentary? Or uh, what, what are you watching right now? You know, I'm going to be honest. It's been a long time since I've sat on and watched TV since we started. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't. Probably the last one I watched was the Tiger King one. So, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. There was <laughs> nice. one I watched. It was called Control Room, and that was really fascinating. So Okay. Yeah. Huh. I don't it, recall that. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. It was good, though. Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. I'll take your word for it. Well, good deal. And if actually, for the listeners out there, I just want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming events. Hey, it's Mark LaCour, Editor-in-Chief here at OGGN. Just a quick interruption to share a few things that are going on in October. We have not one, but two industry mixers this month, one on October 7th and one on the October 21st. Just check out our social. They're always great events, and the money that you help us raise goes to fight human sex trafficking, and you get to network with oil and gas executives. We have a new show just came out, Energy Transition Podcast. Also remember, we have 14 other podcasts for your listening pleasure. And then the end of this year, we'll be full media partners for the 23rd World Petroleum Congress, December 5th through 9th. The World Petroleum Congress has not been in Houston over 30 years. So make sure you put space in your calendar. Come check us out. And then finally, join the OGDN Street Team on LinkedIn. It's our all-volunteer group that's really going places. I'll see you again next month. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm actually switching it up. I'm sure for quite a while, if you've been listening, you've noticed I've touted hack and whack, but I'm also interested now in doing biweekly basketball. And I haven't had anyone reach out in the Houston area, but if you are, let me know. I've actually had Jay Freeman reach out and said he was down to play some ball. 
I haven't found a court, nor have I had enough people show interest. But if you are interested, let me know. It'd be cool to do some pickup basketball because I love playing basketball. Thank you so much for joining us today, Becky. Thanks for having Scott. Thanks it's for been having an absolute us. pleasure. Thank um, you. I'm, you got me super pumped to kind of watch and see how things go. And so if any of the listeners out there are as excited as I am, reach out. Or yeah, if you're a company that thinks you're going to just take over the world, then this might be the avenue for you. And with that said, always remember when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.